0: Welcome back to another episode of Engineering Culture, live in Studio Z, or at least we're recording live. Today, I'm joined by an old colleague of mine, uh, Rajiv Rajan, who worked together with me at Facebook, uh, but has an awesome new role now. I'm gonna let him introduce himself and give us a little bit of his background. Hi Rajiv. Hi Josh, nice to meet you again. Yeah, awesome, so tell us, what do you do? What, do we, what are you up to now, and how did you get there?
1: Yeah, so I'm the CTO of Atlassian, and what that means is that all of engineering in Atlassian, including you know product, platform, IT, trust, uh, security rolls up to me. So that's oh, wow. a pretty uh, big responsibility, but really exciting. I'm, I'm an engineer at heart, and I always love working with engineering teams, and so that's great. Um, and then before that, I've only ever worked at three companies, actually. Uh, you know, Atlassian. Before that, it was Facebook. Yeah. And then before that, Microsoft. And, you know, the saying at Microsoft was that version three v3 is always the best version and so i hope i'm the best version of myself at this point
0: that's awesome i'm sure it's true i'm sure it's true i am particularly excited about this episode because zuplo is a remote company you know we have folks in germany in spain san francisco charlotte um so very interested in in remote engineering culture how to building an amazing remote engineering culture and i struggle to think of a company that is dealing with remote more than is so the cto is based here in the seattle area right, that's right. i think yep. the yep. bellevue and CFO office as well and the cfo as well yep. but the headquarters are in australia is that right well actually that's what that's a
1: misconception of Atlassian. it ah, is okay. a company that started in australia and our two co-founders and ceos are based in australia but we're actually a us based company at this point
0: i oh, so technically based here, but you your your ceo is in is in australia that's so right. Right. you still have this like enormous time zone Correct. gap yeah. to deal with yep. Well, I'd love to spend a bit of time getting into that. Um, we've had several conversations with former colleagues of ours, right. Josh Williams, VJ. The yeah. uh, last one was actually with a guy from uh, uh, GitHub uh, Copilot. I am really curious about engineering culture, and that's yeah. one of the things we've been talking about. So, right. wh- what's the headliner? Like, how does uh, tell us about Atlassian's culture, and in particular, how does it compare to Facebook or Meta and Microsoft? Look, this is a great question. I am both
1: a student of engineering as well as a student of culture, because I think great engineering, world-class engineering, as I call it, comes from amazing culture. And uh, one of the things that attracted me to Atlassian was the culture at Atlassian. It's driven by the values. Atlassian is a very values-driven company. We have values like don't fuck the customer and open company No. You know, those were some of the values that spoke to me. Some strong language in those values. Yeah, okay, love it, love Uh, it. A little Australian, but yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's great. I mean, I think, you know, it's something that we live and breathe every day, and it drives our culture as a company. And, uh, you know, when you talk about culture, there's macro culture and micro culture. So the macro culture is more driven by the values of the company. And so when we say don't f*** customer, we mean it. And anything that we do from responding to sales to how we build features is driven by making sure we put customer first. And so that's something... Mm -hmm. That's part of the macro culture of the company. Microculture are the small things that happen every day. These are the things that are not on posters on a wall, but it's like what you live and breathe in meetings and things mm. that you do every day. And let me give you a few examples of microculture at Atlassian that I think is interesting. One is we are very, uh, we write things down. So we have Confluence is one of our products. Of it's, course, yeah. uh, something yeah. that we use a lot. And uh, we every meeting that we do, anything that we do is written down. And I think there's something to be said about writing things down in whole sentences and paragraphs and Really, uh, it forces you to think carefully about what is it that you're trying to do. And so that's a big part of our microculture. Um, Also, the other part of it is first principles thinking. So uh, anytime we think about something, we try to break it down to the first principles of why would we do this? What is the rationale for it? And it. it causes us many times to think differently. So one of the things I love about Atlassian culture is... Uh, especially because it started in Australia outside the Silicon Valley bubble, yeah. uh, the founders have done a great job of like thinking differently at key moments in the company's history, hmm. and I think that is comes from our first principles thinking as well. So that's an example of microculture. Now, with respect to your uh, questions on Facebook and Microsoft, I mean, amazing places. I've had great experiences, and you know, both companies have had many eras too. Like in a, in a period of time, you have Microsoft in the 90s. I was there as an engineer, IC engineer writing code. Yeah. It was the most amazing place to be on earth. You know, we ship yeah. products that were changing the world. Um, and that was a great, wonderful time. But then Microsoft went through different eras again, you know, ups and downs and so on, and doing really well right now. As a someone who worked yeah. at Microsoft for a long time, I'm really excited to see the company do well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, but its culture is, uh, I would say, a lot more, uh, sort of like from the technical roots, it's kind of like driven by the two founders. There's a lot of very strong technical foundation coming from, from Gates and yep. leaders you know, that he groomed. And then uh, from Balmer and company, there's a very strong business culture. So if you look at Microsoft's enterprise strength or sales strength or yep. their ability to make revenue across different markets... Really strong, so that's you know something that uh, is about Microsoft culture. Yeah, Facebook is just an engineer's paradise. I mean, like you know, <laughs> uh, people like Vijay and others. You know, we, it's just uh, Jay Perik who's somebody yeah. uh, I look up to a lot. And you know, they've really built a strong culture for engineers to be amazing, world class, whether it be the tools or the build systems yeah, or crazy. building products. Um, amazing, amazing things over there. And that's one of the things I, I'm trying to emulate in Atlassian. Is I. One of my goals with at Atlassian is to take Atlassian towards world-class engineering. It's Got an it. amazing place, great engineers. One of the things about Atlassian that's interesting is it was it built Jira for software engineers. So it's iconically the company built yeah. for software engineers. So anything we do in engineering is highly leveraged because it can help all engineers across the world. And right, so, right. And that's one of the things about the Atlassian culture that drew me here.
0: Yeah, that's one of the fun things about working on developer tools, right? It's yeah. It's kind of like self-serving. You exactly. know, you get to, to build yeah. for yourself. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the in week. the
1: business of developer tools and engineering.
0: Drilling in on the remote thing a little bit. Yes. Like... I mean, we we find it, I think we're doing great, but we find it hard uh, just having Europe and uh, the West Coast of uh, America as time zones. So what, and we're nowhere near the scale of alassian. you know, we're 10 people. What are the tools and techniques at your disposal to make culture, engineering, rhythm work across, like literally globally? Like, how do you do it? Look,
1: first of all, let's just acknowledge that nobody has the right answers on this. We have just gone through COVID and, you know, something the world has never experienced before. And I think we are all kind of struggling to find the right answer here. Uh, Atlassian has taken the position of what we call Team Anywhere. So we mm. strongly believe that the world has changed and that you know, we, we believe in distributed teams, we believe in remote teams, and, and we basically believe in talent available all across the planet and people working from wherever they choose to work from. Okay. And so that's something we have leaned to, into heavily. At the same time, it doesn't mean we don't have offices. We have offices all over the world, Sydney, the Bay Area, Austin, we're starting one in Seattle. Um, and so we believe the office is a place where you can come in to do what we call intentional togetherness. So what we believe is it's not like you just work remotely and you never you know meet people. You need yep. human connection. You need to work together. And the offices are a place where you can build that connection. And we call that intentional togetherness. Mm. Where you can come in. You can do offsites, sites on-site. You can do team events. You can do brainstorming together. And then you, of course, go back to your homes or locations or wherever you are and continue to work on Zoom or remotely as well. So that's kind of our philosophy. Yeah. And we believe it gives flexibility to people. So we are not we are one of the few big companies that are not saying, hey, come back in three days a week and we'll make sure that you're coming in so many times and so on. We don't believe in sort of like bean counting and tracking our folks. Yeah. We want flexibility for people to work sometimes in the office, sometimes at home, whatever makes sense for them. Yeah. And so that's the the space we are in. But again, everyone's you know, experimenting and we're all learning and trying to figure things out. In terms of what we have done with our tools and such, we uh, have leaned heavily into developer productivity for engineering. Okay. And one of the tools we build is called Compass. Um, so what is Compass? Compass is a tool that you can go to to figure out where are all your microservices, where are all your repos, where are all the different components. For each component, what is the documentation? Is there a wiki for it? Who's on call, etc. So no matter where you live in the world, you can always go to Compass to figure out, oh, I'm working with this component. How do I use the APIs? You don't need to wait for an engineer to wake up in a different time zone. Yeah. You can self-serve and empower yourself to get going. You know, one of the stories I have is as an engineer, early days of Microsoft, 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm sitting writing code. Uh, I was working on the Windows NT source code, one of the most amazing code bases, by the way. And I was so empowered. I could set a breakpoint anywhere in the operating system. I could I could debug anything, yeah. I could build the whole OS on my DevBox, and I didn't need to like, wait for someone to talk to someone I could like, get going and write code. And we talk of that in terms of developer joy. It's that loop of your writing code, and you don't have friction, and you don't have to stop and ask somebody a question. So that's kind of what we're trying to do in a class, is to make our tools, developer tools, things like Compass, everything that we use with Confluence, documented, as I said, yeah, you know, yeah the yeah. microculture of writing yeah. things down. So that, as an engineer, you are not blocked, no matter which part of the earth you're in. So that's one part of it. Love it. The other part of it is we have divided the earth into a few what we call halos or collaboration zones. Hmm. And we try to make sure that any team like the Jira team or the Confluence team or any particular product team for a size of say 150 engineers is is only across two time zones and we call that a single collaboration zone. So for example, West Coast, US and Sydney or Sydney and India. close together. Close like, enough yeah. together, so you have at least four to six hours of Overla- yeah. overlap, yeah. and you can reasonably work together across that, and we call that a collaboration zone, and we actually make sure that our teams are Healthy from a collaboration zone standpoint.
0: Interesting. Okay, there's a lot in there. There's, I mean, you even opened up some other things I'd love to pick up on you. Yeah. Just randomly now, you mentioned friction and yeah. like removing friction. That is the thing we obsess about. Like if we can. Right. Remember, one of the biggest things I learned at Facebook actually was the power of removing friction from a process and how that transforms the experience. Exactly. Thing we think about a lot here. So, interesting. You have these collaboration zones. You do try and keep people somewhat overlapped on time. You think some amount of FaceTime is important. Do you have like a cadence for that? Like how often do you want to get people together? Like is there kind of a rule of thumb? Yeah, we do. We we, we basically tell teams, teams of any
1: size. You know, imagine a team of 10 engineers and your engineering manager and PM and designer and so on all the way to like bigger teams of 150 in size. 150, Mm. I use that number because that's, Dunbar's number. That's kind of like yeah the number beyond that. It's no longer a team. It, it gets to be a bigger org- organization. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that at that sort of scale, we ask teams to get together once a quarter. Right? Okay. Simple okay. thing. It's like once a quarter, do an offsite, get into an office or get into a you know offsite location. Yeah. And when you do the offsite, we actually tell people like spend more time getting to know each other. It doesn't have to be like an all work offsite. Work, work. You know, get into a bunch of topics. Yeah. Do some of the work obviously, but like go out for dinner, do a fun activity, get to know your coworkers. And so that connection that you build, that human connection that you build in that, you know, we call it an ITG or intentional togetherness event, yeah. really helps you when you go back into your Zoom meeting or you go back to your different locations, yeah. it helps you to kind of like work together really well.
0: Wow, this is awesome. So it's clearly, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise from a yeah. company sort of the size and successful, essay. it's clearly very intentional. The fact you have all these names, like ITG yes. uh, togetherness meetings and so yes. on. And, and the other big part
1: I should say is, we are the biggest dog fooders of our own products. Yeah. So
0: whether it's Jira or
1: Confluence or Atlas or Compass, you know, we have a whole host of products. Our products are fundamentally built for remote distributed work. That is the future we believe of the world. Yeah. You know, whether it's small companies like yours or bigger companies, yeah. I think that's where things are headed. Notwithstanding the fact that we are all trying different things, yeah. um, even in companies that are, by the way, asking people to come in, you know, they are still not, a big proportion of the work is sure. remote distributed. Yeah. And so we, we think our tools and what we build for the world is you know important for the future of work and we live it every day
0: awesome so, Facebook was famous for posters. That's how this whole series got started, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Josh and I were working on the play. I think you saw the play. Did you right, see it? Right. were. I mean, it keeps you were coming right. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we were chatting. We just started chatting about posters, and the idea yeah. of doing the video came together. So, what are some of the hacks or tricks or, you know, I think uh, Josh famous called it propaganda. What, what are the tricks you use to sort of disseminate culture in Atlassian?
1: Our values are not on posters necessarily and, you know, uh, in, in the way that, you know, yep. uh, sometimes it's done. but it's really ingrained into everything that we do. Like, there's not a meeting that I'm in where somebody doesn't use one of our values. You know? mm. It's a sort of part of the language. It's like if somebody's trying to make a pretty direct point, they'll be like, OCNB, I think X. You know? mm. And OCNB is open company no okay. So when you use the word OCNB in a sentence, it's like a trigger to say, hey, I'm gonna use a company value that says, I'm gonna be pretty blunt over here about what I think. Nice. And it encourages this microculture of like, speaking up and saying the thing. Versus like dancing around the thing, and I think that helps us awesome. effectively get to the right solution faster. Yeah, yeah, You know, because in in many cultures, like if people are not being direct, it just takes a long time to debug and figure out what's going on.
0: Right? I, I love that there's the they've become like acronyms like OCNB, yeah, yeah. which is like a little also a little bit like inside baseball. You're inside the club now. Exactly. You know the you know welcome. Right. You're part of the yeah. You're part of the lingo, yeah. and that gets yeah. And um, likewise, if used. there's a
1: seven, you know, you're talking about uh, what to do like. You know, don't the customer will come up like in those yeah. conversations, yeah. and you know you find people basically taking actions, you know, in line with the values. And so those are some hacks. Uh, we also use it in our performance management system, and it's not like we go through a checklist of you know did you do this value that value. It's more like yeah. we focus on both the what and the how. So lots of times in performance systems, like okay, what did you deliver? What impact did you land? Yeah, you also want to be cognizant of how did you do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. For example, one of our values is play as a team. So we really do emphasize, and this is an important Atlassian culture, cultural thing and value is, yeah. are you bringing people along? We have uh, one of our cultural things is people in Atlassian are really nice. Like we value nice people. We believe actually nice people can win and do great things, and uh, you don't have to like, you know, have uh, lots of times people are like, oh, to be having ambitious goals and to win that, you know, you, you need to have sharp you know, edges and shoulders. And like we, we believe that you can be nice to each other, collaborate uh, and still do great, amazing things, you know.
0: OK, I definitely. So this was not a topic I plan to get into, but I'm yeah. really curious about this yeah. because it's something I personally value a lot. Right. Um, in terms of the culture I want to work in and the culture we want to create at Zuplo, were... You know, if I remember, like the, my early days, I was also at Microsoft. Uh, yeah, yeah. we didn't overlap, we didn't work together. I don't think, but um, uh, it was kind of cutthroat before yeah, yeah. Satya right um, changed the culture there. You know, and and I, I would say a lot of jerks, I would say, did very well, and mm-hmm. it was fine to be a jerk. In fact, it was the smart jerks. Like it yeah. was, like, it was like healthy. It was like a yeah. good career move to mm-hmm. be a jerk, and I never liked it. Um, wasn't wasn't my thing. I think Facebook was quite the opposite. Actually, I very few jerks I I know were successful. Probably some, but (laughs) no, it was, I mean, it was It was really like a culture where peer feedback was valued and, you know, you had to sort of be very collaborative and bring your XFN along. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do you make that work, especially in a large organization? Because, you know, once an organization scales and it stops growing quite as quickly, that's when I tend to find like the elbows come out and competing for resource becomes quite political. Um, How do you keep that sort of like nice... Supportive collaborative psychologically safe place to work at the scale of Atlassian.
1: Yeah, it's 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 something that has to It's hard to graft on later I mean, I think you and I you know We both went to Microsoft and as an engineer growing up. um, I do remember the culture being being very um, You know, we used to call it red in some ways because consequences of failure were high Therefore if you broke the build or you know, you checked in a bug fix or something Mm. um, those had repercussions and the way it was dealt with was was not the best and you know it led to a pretty intense culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you know, you're right, like Facebook uh, corrected for some of those things. and actually in recent times Satya has gone and corrected for some of those yep. things yep. in terms of you know, not, not tolerating smart jerks and things yep. like that. because yep. um, I think you know, there's a, a lot of collateral damage to the, to the organization to people to yep. having such behaviors you know exist. And overall in tech, I think we are moving towards uh, a better kind of situation, right? Uh, but to answer your question, Look, it has to come from the from the beginning. It has to come from the founders. So both yeah. the founders firmly believe in uh, playing nice and, and you know collaboration and playing as a team. And in fact, our stock ticker for Atlassian is team. Like, you know, what oh, it we is? sell, yes. I didn't team. know that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. Our whole mission is about unleashing, you know, the potential of teams. And so uh, that has been part of the DNA of the company right from the beginning. And uh, it's something that attracted me to Atlassian, by the way, and, and also something that I have believed in through my career as well. And yeah. And so... Uh, you know, I need to model it, leaders need to model it. Uh, it needs to be part of your culture, both macro as well as micro, and something that you live every day. And so, uh, you know, you call out behaviors that are not good. Like, and one of the best ways that this works is when you hire somebody into Atlassian, and if they are like a smart jerk or they have sharp elbows, um, they, they get rejected. Like, yeah, the organism, yeah. it's, it's organ rejection. And, yeah. And, yeah. you know, they don't do well. And so, um, that's, that's one way that, you know, you, you make sure that the culture is strong with that regard.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I think it is a little debatable whether tech is still shifting that way or that there's a little bit of a bounce back happening. You you see in certain circles, Elon, I admire him greatly as an engineer for what he's achieved, but certainly from what I I just listened, I don't know if you've listened to his audio book or read his, the recent Walter, Walter Isaacson book. Um, that does not, that does not sound like a, Play nice culture. It sounds pretty aggressive and harsh. So we'll see. We'll see how the the pendulum swings. We very much believe that you know to have like creative, smart individuals do their best work. They need some degree of psychological safety. Yes. Uh, we yeah. We need high performance. You know, we have high expectations, but it's hard to be creative when you're yeah in yeah. this. Um... Yeah, I
1: think one of the ways I have done it at Atlassian is uh, using an Atlassian value called seek to understand first. Huh. So as a new leader coming in, obviously, as I looked at things. There were many changes I wanted to do, but one of the first things I did was a listening tour. So I literally went to every office in Atlassian, talked to a lot of engineers on the ground. My heart and soul is as, as an engineer. So I believe yeah. in listening to engineers on the ground, understand their problems, and then go from there to figure out you know, how do you bring about some of the changes that you want to do. And so yeah. we've done a lot of changes. I would not say you know, uh, as dramatic as maybe what Elon did at Twitter and so on, but yeah, like good good changes that we need for the company to move forward. And we've done it with a lot of listening, a lot of heart, a lot of making sure we take people along the journey. And so I think I'm in the school of thought of like, You can do big, bold things, but you can do it nicely. You can move people along on the journey.
0: So you've led some huge teams. at. at, uh, Certainly, I saw the video team was enormous, right? It was 1,000 people or something, I think. 1,200 in total, I think uh, Vijay said last time I spoke to him. As you've gone through these organizations, and I think you worked on several teams at Facebook, right? Like Marketplace was, I think, the first one you worked on, and then video. When I left, I was...
1: The head of engineering for the Facebook app, which is about five thousand engineers. Was oh, that right? Okay, yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. Did. Awesome,
0: interesting. But at each one of these like companies, and even even the orgs inside Facebook, we're quite different culturally. You know, yeah. like the ads org was quite different to the video org, for that's example. Right. Yeah. What are the things that you always bring to the table? I mean, you might have spoken some already. Like, what are the the non-negotiables that this is yeah. what Rajiv his, his like cultural norms that are gonna, if you're going to hire Rajiv, yeah. this is something you're going to get in the cultural yeah. deal. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. That's something I've reflected on quite a bit. You know, as you spend more time as a leader and you go through different companies and cultures. Yeah. Uh, you always, you pick a few things from that and then it also shapes, but you also have you as a person. Yeah. And so it kind of comes together. So I've spent some time reflecting on it and I'd say there's a few things that pop out for me. One of the biggest things that, you know, reflects me as a leader is what I call get done. I, I like to execute, you know, get things done, um, you know, talk is cheap, action is louder than words, Yeah. when all is said and done, more is said than done. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I, I like, you know, I, maybe even as an engineer, like I would love getting the code, fixing a bug, moving things forward, right? So I think um, I, I don't like like big five-year, three-year plans and those kinds of things. Yeah, I have yeah, like to break yeah. it down into things that can be achieved because I've seen big projects fail. No wonder you, you and Vijay got on. Right. I mean, what, yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Very aligned on That's that. Right. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So move along. Let's let's figure out what we can do today, tomorrow. Like let's not procrastinate and that sort of thing, right? So that's one value. Uh, The second is sort of this notion of mastery or world class engineering or excellence. Right? You got to be the best at what you do. And you know one of the books I read that have one of my favorite books is. Uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, mm, love and he talks yep. about how you need to do like 10,000 hours in mm-hmm. the field to get to work class. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I think that's really stuck with me is like, you know, whether it's whatever aspect of engineering, whether it's people or, you know, engineering excellence or architecture or scale or security. Mm. like figure out what it takes to be 10x, 100x of what you're doing and what does that take and what does it take to be world-class. So really mastery of the craft Mm. is, and I've always been an engineer. I've never done any other role. And so for me, world-class engineering is a really important thing that I strive to do myself as as well as for the team I lead. Um, So that's the second one. Third one is just, it's. this is more of a, you know, characteristic is having hope, having positivity, having optimism. Mm. One of the things I feel is, people and teams don't even realize how much more they can do than what they thought. Mm. And uh, I found that when you push people, you push teams, they can do amazing things. And, and sometimes you just have to take a crazy bet. Mm. And you can only do that if you're super positive and you have optimism. Sometimes they'll pan out, sometimes they won't, that's fine. But having positivity and having the glass half full is sort of a characteristic that's uh, with me and that's, that's helped me you know, uh, do things that I even didn't think was possible. Um, So that's the third one. A couple of others, you know, I don't like drama. So I'm a low drama person. Mm -hmm. I think in organizations where there's a lot of like, it's good to have interesting characters, but when you have a lot of drama, that just leads to a lot of noise and such. So Mm. it's like, I'm more of a low drama, get done kind of a person. Yeah. Um, And then it's important to be principled. Lots of times people will be like, what are the principles? Okay, great. It's important to be principled, but pragmatic at the same time. So, you know, uh, one of the leaders at Microsoft that I learned from, Shilu, he said, head in the clouds feet on the ground right yeah. so yeah. think big think broad but get things done you know yeah. with feet yeah. on the ground
0: yeah awesome I love it that leads us into actually um uh quite nicely there because um you talked about um sort of pushing people um harder one of the questions I asked VJ was you know famously um Microsoft I felt when I was there before Satya really kind of took hold right yeah Was quite a top down company. There was sort of scaffolding, you fit into your place, the VP or the CVP had a vision, and you're mostly kind of executing along the lines and choosing the numbers and the spacing, you know? And then you go to somewhere like Facebook, which is really quite bottoms up, like almost wildly. So it was a shock to me when I arrived there, and, you know, as a PM, as I was at the time, and people are like well you've got all these resources what are you going to do with them you know how are you going to earn the right to keep those people you're like what like I have to invent the vision here um so very bottoms up but obviously a thing uh, you have to think about is when do you get top down and I asked Vijay this question like when do you insert yourself yep um into the process and this is where he said ah oh, Rajiv do you know Rajiv and I was like of course I know Rajiv yeah. um and he he said he, you have this sort of legendary framework he refers to and I think I think he called it systems tools processes and people or something along those lines so uh, does that yeah, do you know yeah, what he's yeah. referring to so tell yeah. us about this yeah. and how do you think about sort of inserting yourself in a I'm guessing Atlassian is, a, is more of a bottoms up culture than a top down one. is that for yeah uh, yeah
1: Atlassian is I is, closer to Facebook in that regard in yeah. terms of values culture bottoms up Yeah. Uh, but there's a good amount of top down as well you know obviously in a founder led company and so yeah. on so it's a good balance I think actually between top down and bottoms up but there's a very strong healthy bottoms up force which I think is always an important thing because I yeah. think the best ideas come from you know People and teams at the ground level, working on, on things day to day. Hundred percent. But yeah, as a leader, when you're when you're driving things, you know, you have to be conscious about how you insert yourself. So I have, I'd say, three different, you know, tricks or strategies or hacks, if you will, okay. you know, to do things. Uh, one of it is, and this came out from a discussion with some friends in Microsoft. Is it's sort of like a, I call it the Tylenol formula, you know, which is basically what what is the level of headache, you know, if you have a SEV-0 or a SEV-1 and it's really a big thing, like you might you might prescribe, you know, multiple Tylenols a day. And some other headaches, it might be two a week, right? So I look at things that come to me in terms of the level of headache and then decide, okay, do I insert myself with this group of people once a day in a daily stand-up or do I do it, you know, once a week or do I do, I do it once a month? And so based on either something that is, you know, short-term fire or it's something strategic... I pick a set of things where I feel like it's important for me to be there either to help the team because I come from a point of view of servant leadership is how Got can it. I help the team, or it's important enough for the company that it's important for me to bring other resources to bear on the problem. Huh. And so I, I just always have a set of things that I'm, I keep close to me as a leader and I, I sort of insert myself at different frequencies into groups of people who are working on particular problems. Um, and, and so when I do that, though, I also use that as an opportunity to go deep because I do think that it's important for leaders, someone like myself, a CTO, to not mm-hmm. be like floating in the clouds, but to like actually get in the ground, understand the code and architecture or the direction. Um, because so You're
0: still reading code. You go in yes, and you look absolutely. at lines of code yes, yes, and yes, have I, an opinion I, about it.
1: Okay. Especially if I'm in a sev, Yeah. I'm very keen to understand exactly how it works, what mm-hmm. the code looks like and that okay. sort of thing. That, that's, that's just the engineer in me. Like I, you know, yeah. I feel like when I was an IC engineer, I used to be a little... If I get like high-level questions from leaders and such, then they clearly don't understand the issues on the ground. That was something that was a flag for me. Yeah. So I always swore that if I got to a leadership position, yeah. I don't, I don't want to just be the leader in the room asking some high-level questions. It's like I need to understand it at a level of depth so that I can engage, you know, in a meaningful way with my teams and with my engineers. And that's that's something I think that builds credibility for you as a leader uh, to be connected with the ground-level truth uh, really well. So yes, that's how I insert myself. But then I also make sure to. Uh, be meaningful in terms of understanding what's going on on the ground with those issues. So that's one tactic. The other one is you have to decide whether you manage through a process or whether you manage through people. So in some cases, it'll be like, I've hired someone to do it or I have someone on my team who I trust. I know that they have done this problem before. I know that they are world class at what they're doing. So I just make sure to keep in touch with that person or that leader or that I see. And I know that they're going to take care of it and you know, I might do some coaching on the sidelines, but I'm not in those meetings. I'm just doing it through people. In cases where I don't have a leader or I don't have, it's a new area, there isn't an obvious person I can manage through, I set up a process. And that's the process I talked about, which is it could be a daily standup. It could be a weekly. It could be a monthly. Got it. And I stay in it. And then sometimes I'll go through this for a month or two and I'll be like, hey, that person actually is the best person to run it. So I'm going to go back to manage by manage through people and have that person be the one on the ground. Got and it. So, all of this comes into the overarching philosophy that I call conduction convection radiation. And and okay. and you know, it's a physics thing. It's like yeah. when you have class, and I have about six thousand plus engineers, you know, reporting into me through the organization. Yeah. Um, it's easy to as a leader say, I'm only going to manage through my directs or through my skips. Uh, but that's not really true. You have to find a way to touch everybody in the org in some fashion. Mm. It could be directly through conduction. You meet somebody one on one or skip one on one or that's it, that's that's what I call conduction.
0: Got it? Or like actual t- touch point between the, the, yeah. the physical yeah. yeah yeah. Yeah. It
1: goes back to a physics teacher who comes yeah. in and teaches the concepts and yeah. comes with a bowl of apples and he's like, Josh, I'll give you an apple, that's conduction. Yeah, yeah. I see yeah. be like, Josh, I'll give you the apple, you give it to Vijay, that's convection. Yeah, yeah. Or you just throw apples around and people catch it and that's radiation. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I love uh, it. so directly touch and then convection is you manage through people. It's like, yes, you're not directly working with a group of people, but you're working through someone. So that's convection. It's a second level indirection. Uh, And then radiation is just, you have to be cognizant of how your message is coming across to the whole org. You know, town halls, blog posts, um, how you communicate different changes that you're doing, uh, going up and doing intentional togetherness. Like when I go up to, say, Sydney, I would go and do a happy hour and meet a lot of people You know, socially. Um, So you have to find ways for people to access you. You have to be accessible as a leader Mm. and grounded as a leader. And if you do that, then you know, the words that you say and the changes that you make carry that much more credibility with the organization.
0: Awesome! I love the conduction, convection, radiation, and uh, physics uh, degree. Uh, so really, uh, really, uh, it's great. Like, it yeah, yeah. very much describes the three ways yeah, in a nice yeah. analogy. And I
1: learned that from a leader at Microsoft that I worked for
0: that I had respect. So, that's great. yeah, that's awesome. When it, back to culture for a second. Then, if you, if you, if you're when you're leading a large team through conduction, convection, you've described some of these these mechanisms for like getting to meet people and you know have empathy for them. But if you want to push a particular change, like let's imagine, and I don't. This is hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah. You join Atlassian and you don't feel like they move fast enough. You know, you're, you're this kind of like getting mm-hmm. done kind of person. Yeah. Or you want them to be more customer centric. Sounds like that isn't a problem given the first value you keep saying. Um, what are the tools you deploy to to make cultural change in a place where, you know, there's some gap. You think I want to go from A to B. What What are the things you can do to affect that?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the most important things is to build a vision for where you're taking the organization because it's easy hmm. to... Go make different changes, and I have a whole bunch of, you know, tools in my toolkit to go and you know do those changes. But it's important to explain the why behind it because I think if you get people anchored on why are we doing this, then they get a lot more you know excited about making those changes that you want to go mm-hmm. do right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, atlassian, the mission we have put the team on is we call it world class engineering. Yeah. Atlassian is a great company, good, good, mid size. Doing well, but like we want to be one of the top tech companies. That's the company yep. aspiration. Okay, to be a top tech company, in the same league as some of the big names that you have today, you got to have a world class engineering team. So that's the goal. So once people understand the reason and the, the vision, then you can break that down into okay, what does that mean in terms of what do you want to do? And I have broken that down into kind of like three buckets. Mm. Number one is we're here for customers. Let's not forget, like no matter what we want to do. And so what does that mean for customers and how do you go and do that? For example, in the customer bucket, a thing that I spend a lot of time on is SEVs and incidents. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the best time that you learn about the fragility of your systems, you learn yep. about how customers get impacted. And so one of the toolkits I use is to make sure that all engineers, all leaders are very connected in with what's happening with SEVs. And this is one of the things I did at Atlassian was I got my leadership team and the next level really engaged. Anytime there was a SEV1 or a SEV0 or or you know something impacting customers. I made sure this was a change that we did to make sure that people are much more engaged on these incidents, right? Hmm. Uh, including myself, and and seeing me model it helped. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Well. If, if Rajiv is right. showing up, I yeah. better
0: I better not skip yeah. this one. Yeah, I'm kind on of the Zoom for you know. the heart and things yeah. like that, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and so that's one example. Uh, the second is is people. Like you need world class people, right? So yeah, uh, there are two tools that you have for that. One is the performance management system, which you and I know from yeah. at, at Facebook was pretty amazing. And. Yeah. and it really drove the right incentives. You know yeah. so it's, engineers are pretty simple people like you know you, if you incent, put the right incentives, yeah. you have a merit-based culture and people trust the outcomes of the performance management system. They know that the work that they are doing is getting rewarded in certain ways. Yeah. Um, that's very powerful. so that's one of the things I've done at Atlassian is to go and push on the performance management system and make sure that it's aligned in a way that gets you know engineers to understand mm. how they get rewarded reward things like engineering excellence, better engineering etc yeah. um, and so those things are, are built in and those incentives are important and the second one is you know the interview process it's really important to make sure that you set a high bar for you know people coming in yeah and you know it, it, like take Microsoft as an example in the '90s it was a big deal to get hired by Microsoft there was a yeah. really good process somewhere along the line that that kind of changed and and you know that, that resulted in some negative effects in terms of like the bar going down and so on, and then you know in Facebook I think we had a we were very very uh, sort of conscious about the interview process and it was yeah. something everybody invested in to make sure that you you set a high bar for people coming in. So that's the the second area, and then the third is like what do you do for world class engineering? So one of the things that we are doing is developer productivity. Yeah. It's like figuring out what makes your developers productive, what makes them what comes in the way in terms of friction, what's preventing developers from having joy. We actually call it developer joy, which is, it's not, productivity sounds like a business thing. It's like, oh, we want to get people more productive for business reasons. But the real goal is developer joy. And I go back to my roots as an engineer. Mm. When was the time I had the most fun writing code, building things? Because that's what we we joined to to be, is to be engineers who write code and build amazing things that change the world. And... If you think about the things that gave you joy when you were writing code and the things that, you know, gave you friction when you were writing code, and you make sure that for every engineer on the team, you take care of those things, uh, that's what gets people to be joyful coming in and to be excited waking up in the morning to go write more code and things like that. Hmm. And that then leads to productivity. But I think what we have done at Atlassian is to say, look, no, the bigger goal is developer joy. And... Let's look at all the things that come in the way of joy. What are the things that enhance joy? How do you get into the flow of creation? Because writing code is still more art than science. I mean, there's a lot of science, obviously, with tech and so on, but there's a lot of art to it. For sure. And having that joy is an important thing. And if you have that, Productivity will follow. Yeah. Whereas, if you just focus on the productivity metrics without thinking about joy, then you kind of don't have the full solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so many. Uh, one of the things I'm seeing is is the this was true in the conversation with the VJ as well, is how. We keep coming back to the same ideas and same threads in every single answer. And I think that's one of the key things to culture is there's no getting away from it. Like the, the cultural ideas are intertwined into the fabric of everything you do. So the fact that you try and to deliver developer joy to the customers of Atlassian's product. But also that's something you try and do internally. My favorite example of that that you've given is actually the fact that your stock ticker prices team Yes. I mean, like what better signaling right. of what you care about as an organization, both the team inside Atlassian, the team inside the customers that you're serving and making them more productive. I think it's awesome. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. very in- inspiring. Well, we got through a lot here. I think we've done all of my questions here. Um, so my last question yes. is, you know, a super connected person who should be my next guest yes. to come and talk about engineering culture and what should be the, the, the main question I should ask them?
1: So, I, I think that uh, one person I is a good friend and somebody I uh, admire and respect a lot is Vivek Sharma. Okay. And, uh, you know, Vivek and I were at Microsoft together. We built Office 365 together, uh, taking it to the cloud. And then we were, you know, together on Facebook as well, on, on Marketplace and, yeah. um, and things like that. And he's a good close friend and somebody who is very inspirational and also a student of culture, somebody who is very cognizant of the kind of culture one should set. Um, he's, he's a PM, he's a, he's a product leader, but yeah. uh, interesting fun fact is he and I both got sort of promoted to a distinguished engineer at the same time in Microsoft. Okay. You know, he was the PM lead, I was the Eng lead, but we were both recognized as distinguished engineers. It's unusual for a PM. It's uh, unusual for a PM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Vivek is very technical uh, and he would be right in the code there with my engineers and, and we both got along really well. And um, I think it's one of the things in tech is having a PM-EM relationship uh, really thrive really helps build amazing teams and I've had the good fortune of having many PM leaders over time and Vivek is definitely up there as someone, you know, I think would be very interesting to talk
0: to. Awesome. Well, I know him a little bit as well. Not super yeah. well. We never actually yeah. worked together. Yeah. So we, we almost did. But so Vivek, you, you saw it here. Um, we got to get you into the, into the studio for, for an interview. What should I ask him? Um, you should ask him about
1: what does it take to achieve impossible things? Hmm. If there's one person who can achieve impossible things, you know, with uh, an ordinary set of people, it's, it's Vivek. I mean, he he inspires ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And uh, I think, you know, uh, you should definitely ask him about that. Okay, no, that's, yeah. a, I mean, that's
0: a great question. What, yeah. a whole, yeah. what a whole episode, how to achieve the impossible. I think he's at Stripe now, right? Actually, we just missed that's each right. other, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, so that's awesome. So yeah, I'll reach yeah. out. Rajiv, thank you for doing this. That was, I mean, that was great. I think there's so much great content there. We're going to struggle to pick a title. Thank you for traveling over and spending the time with me. And yeah, uh, yeah, being in live here
1: in Studio Z. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you all for listening to me. I really enjoyed it and we should do it again. Definitely, definitely. Cheers.